Chapter 33 Celestial Glory for the Martyrs of the Latter-day Battles And all they who suffer persecution for my name, and endureth in faith, though they are called to lay down their lives for my sake, yet shall they partake of all this glory. Wherefore, fear not, even unto death, for in this world your joy is not full, but in me your joy is full. Doctrine and Covenants 101, verses 35 to 36. Is it true that the spirits of the righteous are never taken back home by God until the very moment that the timing is perfect for that child of light, based on the wisdom of God himself? Regarding the time and date of death, does it make sense that a thousand factors exist involving many souls other than just the one that is exiting this phase and advancing up into the next phase? Are there those among us who are designated even from the pre-mortal world to prove and garner glory upon themselves by finishing out this lifetime and dying the death of a dramatic martyr? Absolutely. As we are told in Doctrine and Covenants 121.25, Job 7.1, and Hebrews 9.27 listed respectfully. Doctrine and Covenants 121, verse 25. For there is a time appointed for every man according as his work shall be. Job 7, verse 1. Is there not an appointed time to man upon earth? Are not his days also like the days of a higher, of an hireling? Hebrews 9, verse 27. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. In every respect, this applies to a different vanguard group, the vanguard group that is now forming to fight Latter-day battles. There are many common denominators as once again, the unwavering and stalwart point men of the advance company will go forth to redeem Zion. There are those who have not yet awakened to a full realization of their end-time personal growth and glory mission that was pre-selected for them to go out in what we could call Quote, a blazing flame of glory. Unquote. However, we should all take comfort and personal consolation in knowing that the passing of some of the greatest souls among us, though seemingly traumatic, has great purpose in the overarching plan of progression and in seeking for, quote, a better resurrection. Unquote. Although the deaths of many of the wicked are and will be both excruciatingly painful and begrudgingly drawn out, the Lord God provides the means for a quick and relatively painless, quote, passing, unquote, for the righteous, for whom martyrdom holds such a great and sacred purpose. This is taught in Doctrine and Covenants 42, verses 44 to 51, with emphasis added. Verse 44, And the elders of the church, two or more, shall be called, and shall pray for and lay their hands upon them in my name. And if they die, they shall die unto me, and if they live, they shall live unto me. Verse 45, Thou shalt live together in love, insomuch that thou shalt weep for the loss of them that die, and more, especially for those that have not hope of a glorious resurrection. Verse 46, Emphasis added, And it shall come to pass that those that die in me shall not taste of death, for it shall be sweet unto them. Verse 47, emphasis continues, And they that die not in me, woe unto them, for their death is bitter. And emphasis. Verse 48, And again it shall come to pass that he that hath faith in me to be healed, and is not appointed unto death, shall be healed. Verse 49, And he who hath faith to see see shall see. 
Verse 50. He who hath faith to hear shall hear. Verse 51. The lame who hath faith to leap shall leap. Martyrs of the last days who are being prepared to give their own lives for the cause of Christ are moved, inspired, and motivated by a variety of worthy causes. One of these is the testimony given to them of the overwhelming happiness that awaits them because of their ultimate personal sacrifice, which is yet to transpire. In the heat of the persecutions against the saints of God in Missouri during 1833, the Lord revealed to them that they were being refined, chastened, and afflicted because of their transgressions. All of this is a foreshadowing of what is yet to come. Take the following scriptures into consideration. Doctrine and Covenants 101 4 through 5, verse 4. Therefore they must needs be chastened and tried, even as Abraham, who was commanded to offer up his only son. Verse 5. For all those who will not endure chastening, but deny me, cannot be sanctified. Doctrine and Covenants 101, 35 to 38. Verse 35, emphasis added. And all they who suffer persecution for my name and endure in faith, though they are called to lay down their lives for my sake, yet shall they partake of all this glory. Verse 46, emphasis continues. Wherefore, fear not even unto death, for in this world your joy is not full, but in me your joy is full. And emphasis. Verse 37. Therefore, care not for the body, neither for the life, neither the life of the body, but care for the soul and for the life of the soul. Verse 38. And seek the face of the Lord always, that in patience ye may possess your souls, and ye shall have eternal life. There were many martyrs throughout history in the New Testament, the Book of Mormon, and in the latter days. Some of these who were early martyrs for the cause of Jesus Christ are listed here. Person or disciple? Method, year, and location. James, son of Zebedee, was beheaded in 36 AD in Rome, Italy. Doubting Thomas. He was run through with a lance in 52 AD in Kalamina, East India. Philip was scourged, stoned, and crucified in 52 AD in Phrygia. Bartholomew dragged and crucified and beheaded, 52 AD. Albanopolis, Armenia. Simon Peter crucified upside down, 56 AD. Rome, Italy. Matthew, son of Alphaeus, run through with a lance, 60 AD. In Madaba, Ethiopia. James the Less, brains dashed out with a club, 60 AD. Location unknown. Paul, beheaded in 66 A.D. in Rome, Italy. Matthias, stoned and beheaded, 70 A.D. in Ethiopia. Thaddeus, brother of James, shot with arrows, 72 to 76 A.D. Edessa. Barabbas, stoned to death, 73 A.D. Place unknown. Timothy, beaten with clubs, 73 A.D. Place unknown. Timothy, Luke, hanged on an olive tree, 73 A.D., Greece. Zealots, stoned to death, 73 A.D., Salankan. Mark, dragged to pieces, then burned to death, 74 A.D., Egypt. Simon, a zealot, crucified, 74 A.D., Great Britain. 
Andrew, brother of Peter, burned to death, 74 AD, Patrai. John the Beloved, brother of James, exiled to Patmos until 196 AD. Death unknown and no record of where. Matthew slain with an axe. Time unknown, year unknown, India. James, brother of Jesus, stoned and beaten with a fuller's club. Date unknown, place unknown. Judas, or possibly Jude, brother of Jesus. How he was killed, unknown. When he was killed, unknown. Location, Edessa. We read in the Book of Mormon about the Ammonihaites. Alma 14, 3-11, as well as our Latter-day Prophet Joseph Smith and his brother Hiram. Many lost their lives during their trek west, and let us not forget those who were persecuted, like the saints from Hans Mill, for example. In the winter of 1832 and 33, the Lord commanded a group of priesthood brethren to meet together in the school of the prophets, which was convened in an upper room of the Newell K. Whitney store, right up until the time that the Kirtland Temple was built. These precious brethren, who were prominent members of the restored gospel in its kindergarten stage, were being presented with graduate school concepts as they were challenged to develop their own personal testimonies of the doctrines they were being taught. They were taught that the day would come in which the Lord would hasten his work, which it states in Doctrine and Covenants 8873, Behold, I will hasten my work in its time. The early brethren were also taught in the school of the prophets that a great and meaningful purpose for their studies was to prepare them in every way possible to visit with the Lord face to face and enjoy the blessings of having personal having personal second comforter experiences. This is also in section 88 of Doctrine and Covenants in verse 68, which reads, Therefore sanctify yourselves that your minds become single to God, and the days will come that you shall see him. For he will unveil his face unto you, and it shall be in his own time, and in his own way, and according to his own will. In our day, this verse contains the clarion call to the few who have marvelous latter-day missions to fulfill. We need to exercise patience, though, as the second comforter experiences that our hearts long for are to transpire in his time frame and in the venue that he selects. David W. Patton of the original Quorum of the Twelve Apostles was one of the early champions of sacrificing one's life for the cause of Christ. He may have learned about this doctrine of glory from martyrs while attending the School of the Prophets. On June 15, 1832, David was baptized by his brother John in Indiana. Two days later, he was ordained an elder by Elisha H. Groves. On September 2, 1832, he was ordained a high priest by Hiram Smith and spent several years serving what was almost perpetual mission after mission, establishing many branches branches of the fledgling church. On February 14, 1835, David was chosen as one of the Twelve Apostles of the Lamb and was ordained the following day by Oliver Cowdery to that office. On May 2, 1835, the prophet Joseph Smith constructed the, instructed the brethren that the seniority of the new twelve be determined according to the age of the apostles. Sometime in the 1840s, while serving in Nauvoo, Illinois, David Patton approached the prophet Joseph to discuss the thoughts and feelings that had begun to swell within him regarding his standing with the Lord and his future missions. 
When Elder Patton confided in Joseph his spiritual premonitions regarding giving his own life for the cause, the prophet responded to him that when someone of his degree of unconquerable faith requests something like this, that he should expect the Lord to deliver the very thing that was asked of him. Later in October 1838, a gang of Missouri ruffians from Ray County kidnapped three of the saints. Under the leadership of David W. Patton, a contingency of the brethren went on a mission to rescue the three that had been abducted. We refer to the skirmish that ensued as the battle at Crooked River. David was shot by one of the Missourians and the ball hit him directly in the stomach. The brethren tried to minimize the profuse bleeding. They carried him back home and he died in the arms of his loving wife both of them in the act of praising and thanking God with tears streaming down their cheeks. Elder Patton was buried two days later on October 27, 1838 in far west Missouri. Later, in January of 1841, a revelation was given to Joseph Smith in which the Lord indicated that Elder Patton had come to live directly with him in his presence. Joseph was told, as is recorded in Doctrine and Covenants 124, verse 19. It reads, that when he shall finish his work, I may receive him unto myself, even as I did my servant, David Patton, who was with me at this time, and also my servant, Edward Partridge, and also my aged servant, Joseph Smith, Sr., who sitteth with Abraham at his right hand, and blessed and holy is he, for he is mine. And again in verse 130, the Lord spoke, David Patton, I have taken unto myself. Behold, his priesthood no man taketh from him. But verily I say unto you, another may be appointed unto the same calling. Polly Peck Knight, one of my great-grandmothers, died from the effects of persecutions against the saints of the Colesville branch and were first to settle in Jackson County in 1831. We believe that the historical records reflect that she was the very first noble martyr of the restored church. She was the the wife of Joseph Knight Sr., who the prophet referred to as, quote, Old Father Knight, unquote, an unwavering defender of the faith and supporter of the young prophet of the restoration. Those who were driven out of their own homes by the mobs in the middle of the winter and died from the ravages of cold and starvation were many, and we honor them with a deep love and respectful reverence. The Lord has taken them unto himself. Nevertheless, may we be ever mindful of the lessons learned from the historical account of the first apostolic martyr of the modern times, David W. Patton. This is a precious kind of heavenly glory reserved for those that cement and solidify their personal testimonies of the truth with the shedding of their own blood, giving up the ghost while they are in the act of worshiping and glorifying God. Similar lessons of personal sacrifice and sacred glory can be gleaned from histories of the Willie and Martin Hancock companies in eight, of 1856. Many of us today are descendants of those that survived the rigors of crossing the plains and the mountains on foot without wagons, horses, or oxen. Because of a series of unfortunate circumstances, these two handcart companies were late in getting started with their westward journey. They ran into severe snow and bitter cold on the unforgiving prairies of Wyoming. Their situation grew ever more desperate, with deaths occurring every single day. When Brigham Young learned of their condition as the as the October General Conference was about to begin, he canceled the conference and immediately called for teams, wagons, drivers, and supplies to leave to rescue 
the bereft saints in Wyoming. When the first of the rescuers reached the Martin Company, there were too few wagons to carry the suffering, half-frozen people, so the rescuers had to insist that those that were still alive continue moving their carts toward the west. When they reached the Sweetwater River on November 3rd, chunks of ice were floating in the freezing water. After all these people had been through, and in their weakened condition, the river seemed impossible to cross. It looked like stepping into death itself to attempt to to wade through the freezing stream. Men who once had been strong sat on the frozen ground and wept openly. Many were so exhausted and beaten down that they simply could not face the ordeal of crossing the stream. Solomon F. Kimball recalled, Three 18-year-old boys belonging to the relief party came to the rescue and, to the astonishment of all who saw, carried nearly every member of the ill-fated handcart company across the snowbound stream. The strain was so terrible and the exposure so great that, in later years, all of the boys died from the effects of it. When President Brigham Young heard of this heroic act, he wept like a child and later declared publicly, quote, That act alone will ensure C. Allen Huntington, George W. Grant, and David P. Kimball an everlasting salvation in the celestial kingdom of God, worlds without end, unquote. Once again, we can see that celestial glory awaits the Latter-day Martyrs. Just prior to the crucifixion of the Lord, the Master was telling his faithful disciples about the signs which were to precede his second coming. Another significant scripture which applies perfectly to Latter-day battles which are now unfolding is Luke 21, 7-19, in which we have added emphasis. Verse 7, And they asked him, saying, Master, but when shall these things be? And what sign will there be when these things shall come to pass. Verse 8. And he said, Take heed that ye be not deceived, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ. And the time draweth near. Go ye not therefore after them. Verse 9. But when ye shall hear of wars and commotions, be not terrified. For these things must first come to pass, but the end is not by and by. Verse 10. Then said he unto them, Nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. Verse 11, and great earthquakes shall be in diverse places, and famines and pestilences and fear, full sights and great signs shall there be from heaven. Verse 12, emphasis added, but before all these, they shall lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and into prisons, being brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. Verse 13, continue emphasis, and it shall turn to you for a testimony. Verse 14, continue emphasis. Settle it therefore in your hearts, end emphasis, not to to meditate before what ye shall answer. Verse 15, and I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries shall not be able to gainsay nor resist. Verse 16, emphasis added, and you shall be betrayed both by parents and brethren and kinfolks and friends, and some of you they shall cause to be put to death. Verse 17, emphasis continues, and you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. Verse 18, emphasis continues, but there shall not an hair of your head perish. Verse 19, emphasis continues, in your patience possess ye your souls. Emphasis ends. 
Roughly 400 years after the birth of the Savior in Bethlehem, the entire Nephite nation in the Americas had been annihilated because they turned from their God, who is their Redeemer, and embraced those secret combinations which by design bring about the destruction of entire cultures and nations. From their very infancy, the Lamanites were taught to despise and hate the Nephite people. But once amongst themselves... Oops. But once they had wiped the Nephites from off the face of the land, they began to war amongst themselves. In all of this turmoil, civil war, and total societal collapse, they had sworn to put to death any stragglers or survivors of the Nephite nation that they may stumble upon. Moroni was fully aware of this, and in his lonely but vigilant wandering, he stated the following. For behold, their wars are exceedingly fierce among themselves, and because of their hatred, they put to death every Nephite that will not deny the Christ. And I, Moroni, will not deny the Christ. Wherefore, I wander whithersoever I can for the safety of mine own life. Moroni 1, verses 2-3 through This example is a type and shadow of things to come, for the saints of the latter days will once again be persecuted, the Antichrist will arise in power, and once again, those who will not deny the Christ will forfeit their very own lives, right while in the act of glorifying his name and praise. Elder Joseph Fielding Smith taught, The shedding of their blood also bound that testimony upon an unbelieving world, and this testimony will stand at the judgment seat as a witness against all men who have rejected their words of eternal life. Unquote.